0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. New numbers from the Public Health Agency of Canada show that the opioid crisis is getting worse. Despite efforts from all three levels of government and medical authorities to stem the tide, the vast majority of overdose deaths, 72 percent of them, are attributable to one drug, fentanyl. The government estimates that when the final numbers are in for 2017, the death toll will reach 4,000, and that's a 45 percent increase from 2016. In other words, in one year alone. And as Bob mentioned in his news, that's twice as many people that die in car crashes. And it may well be enough to push overdoses into the top 10 causes of death for the first time. Now, the thing to bear in mind is that This addiction basically can happen to anyone who starts off by taking opioids for pain, for arthritis, for any number of things. And it's not confined to a certain segment of society or people in a certain age group. Now, if you've ever had to take these drugs... Uh, if you've ever had a problem with this, uh, or you know people who have, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like you to share your stories. would appreciate that. The numbers to call, 416 360 toll-free, 866 740 740 And right now, let's go to City Councillor, Kristen Wong-Tam from Ward 27 in Toronto. Councillor, hello. Hello. Well, uh, Do you have any idea why such a big spike in such a short period of time?
2: Um, I think that we can probably attribute to a few things. Uh, One is that uh, physicians are still over-prescribing opiates. Uh, largely as uh, as effective painkillers uh, and there is no real curbing of that although there has been uh, some announcements from Ottawa that, uh, that doctors should be more careful about what they're prescribing to their, their patients so many of the, uh, the patients who become addicted uh, to opiates uh, happens uh, and starts with a, a perfectly legal prescription from their family physician um, and so what happens upstream that doesn't uh, get curbed becomes much more Disastrous for us downstream and, uh, and what happens on the downstream is that you don't have uh, harm reduction services that will meet up with the demand people who are no longer uh, being prescribed prescription uh, opiates uh, then turn to street uh, sub um, replacements and oftentimes these are illegally produced uh, synthetic drugs and uh, and much of it is uh, is very dangerous contaminated uh, with uh, with lethal uh, fentanyl um
1: Uh, So, I mean, are you saying that the patients do get uh, uh, tapered off and deprescribed and and then they turn to illegal drugs or that they don't get deprescribed? Well,
2: I think what has been uh, quite... Uh, quite apparent is that people have unknowingly taken Tylenol 3 or any other types of painkillers and which is a form of opiate and they become addicted to it Um, as they are trying to manage their pain which is they they assume is a safe prescription uh, drugs from their their doctors is that it becomes a, 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 a narcotic an addiction for them and uh, once the, the, pain is, uh, the pain management uh, ends with their prescriptions, uh, with their doctors, uh, oftentimes they've now become addicted to the substance. Uh, they turn to uh, other replacements and, uh, and oftentimes those replacements are coming from uh, non-pharmaceutical produced uh, street grade um, opiates, uh, which includes the deadly fentanyl.
1: Um, Okay, Uh, so you're saying that uh, you believe the solution is uh, to cooperate more with harm
2: reduction. Uh, Aren't we doing that? Uh, we are, but we're not doing it at the scale that we need to. Um, I think the first thing we need to do is make people aware uh, about uh, the, the challenges and the, the very addictive nature of opiates upstream. So therefore, they can make alternative decisions or ask their doctor for, for different types of meds. Um, and then finally, on the, on the downstream, is to share information and collect this data so that we can actually manage and, and help those who are actually addicted to the opiates. And, uh, and what we are seeing uh, at the street level in in the communities uh, that we serve is that people are in, in harm's way simply because they are addicted, they have no place to turn, they don't uh, have opportunities for addiction resources. Uh, it takes a very long time. Even when you're ready to detox, you're ready to get help um, and uh, and those services are not readily available. And I think it's important for us to also uh, recognize that we can't be judging people um, if they be, if they have become addicted um, because uh, what, uh, what starts off as a prescription opiates uh, sometimes then turns into to heroin and fentanyl drug use. Uh, so the nature of drug changes and our attitude about uh, people change as well. So we've got to remove the stigma and the judgment and make sure that people who are addicted to opiates um, and other types of drugs are able to receive the help and supports that they need when they're ready.
1: Um, do you find, and I'm, I'm not sure if, if uh, you would even be aware of this, I mean, uh, I was taking a lot of opioids when I uh, was diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. and um, I had a palliative care doctor, and, and they uh, kind of tapered me off instead of trying to cut it off. I mean, it wasn't a long period of time. It was tapered off over the course of you know maybe a week or two, and there was no problem, our, our are people being uh, treated in that way is that part of the problem that maybe they get a prescription and it's either refilled or not but but uh, nobody is kind of overseeing
2: getting them off the drug uh, and that's you've just hit the nail on the head is that I don't believe that doctors are being uh, accurately overseen there's no proper oversight um, and I think that I have even members of my family uh, when they've gone to their uh, d- doctors for uh, for medication uh, you know they are very quick to just prescribe things such as percocet or, or tylenol 3 or or vicodin and um, and 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 some of this is, is very highly addictive uh, I know my sister has uh, she said to the doctor I don't want any opiates is there something else that you can give me for pain management and the doctor essentially said uh, no to her so then she chose to live with her pain and she's working through it in different ways um, so we need to you know make sure that uh, doctors um, and this is where the, the, the federal government will come into to, to, to play is we need to make sure that doctors are also aware that there are different alternatives um, and I'm not a medical expert but what I do know is that it's completely un, uh, unreasonable for you to be able to speak to your family physician and told that the only choice for pain management uh, is opiates uh, if you don't want to take them I think they, have, they, they should uh, be able to offer you something else.
1: Well yeah and uh, we've on this program talked about uh medical marijuana can be very good for that. Uh, let's take a call from Cynthia in Toronto. Hi, Cynthia. Hello. Uh, you're on the air. Please go ahead.
3: Yes. Um, I waited three months before I chose to go on Oxycodone. um I woke up one morning in the middle of the morning with knives in my, in my bags and everything, and I couldn't walk. And um, I had been following this story throughout the States for years, it seemed. And so that's why I didn't want to go that route. But it was going to be more harm on my heart, the pain, than it was going to do me good. So I decided to go on them.
1: And are you still uh, taking
3: opioids? I am, but I am doing a gradual reduction so that, I mean, I've been on other medications such as uh, 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 clonazepam and things like that that I was taken off of and um, I had done that through the hospital. Um, this time I've chosen to do, to do it myself. so. Instead of just taking, as they suggest, little slivers off, I go off a half at a time, and yes, I do go through withdrawals, and it'll take about six weeks, and then I'll go again unfortunately my mom just passed i decided not now's not the time to go down anymore, but I look forward to keeping on with that process
1: i I'm sorry to hear that i i just to say that um it it might be a good idea to try to do that with the help of a doctor or a pharmacist
3: I suppose right, and I would be quick in seeking that that out um I do see my doctor constantly, though. Mm. Okay, well. For, for, you know, those type of reasons and personal, I just happen to have a good GP. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Hard to come by.
1: Okay, Cynthia, thank you very much for sharing your story. We appreciate it.
3: Well, thank you. And um, thank you for this
4: show. Oh. It's wonderful.
1: Thanks very much. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. bye let us go to Keith in Stouffville. Hello, Keith.
4: Oh, hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. That's good. Uh, I don't know. I think people should just take more responsibility for themselves. You know, things are not easy to do. You know, cigarettes, smoking. I quit smoking cigarettes. Um, and, and there's places to go. Like, I don't know. That lady that was just talking, I didn't catch the whole of her story there. But, you know, she was trying to get help or whatever. And I don't know, my doctor, if I ever asked him for anything like that, he would throw me out of the office. I don't know where these people are getting this stuff from, you know, um, who's giving it to them. I don't know. Uh, Maybe there's doctors that are just uh, an easy mark or something. I don't know.
1: uh, I'm going to let Kristen Wong-Tam respond to you, Keith. Um, Yeah. You know, um, okay, so uh, here you go.
2: Yeah, and thank you very much for for the comments, Keith. I, I think that there has to be the, the right balance. People approach their physicians uh, seeking medical advice. They they trust their physicians. They tell them, you know, some of the most intimate details about their body, and they hope that they're going to get good advice. And just as uh, Cynthia, uh, the first caller, was uh, was prescribed uh, uh, opiates and OxyContin to, to take care of her pain, she decided to manage it by, by breaking it down into smaller doses. Like, that is something that... Uh, she should be able to speak to her physician about, as opposed to trying to manage that on her own. Um, so I do believe that doctors have a responsibility. I've got doctors in my own family. Uh, we have conversations about, you know, uh, where do the responsibilities begin and end. I do also know that big pharma oftentimes uh, works in the, uh, the medical sector, giving a lot of uh, incentives to doctors to prescribe certain types of drugs. Um, and, and interestingly enough, it's big pharma that's also on the opposite end of the opiate uh, crisis. Uh, as uh, as we, as the city of Toronto and other governments and health agencies, are buying more uh, methadone uh, or perhaps um, uh, naloxone to deal with the the overdose uh, reversal. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, we have to take a look know, at it.
4: It's just amazing because I, I I'm sorry I'm from the old school. You know I'm in, in my senior years, but I remember, you know pain now, I don't know what people are talking about pain, this pain that they can't take, that they need something to take for it. You know, I... You know, I know in different circumstances, like you, Debbie, you know, when you were you were taking an opi- opioid or whatever, you know, and then you're smart enough to know, well, hey, you know, I'm not going to get into problem with this thing. You know, I'm going to, you know, it's, I don't it's have to... It's not a
1: question of, uh, of of being smart. I was very fortunate. I had terrible pain and, and uh, basically cured, so... Um, but uh, it, it's also, I had really good, uh, you know, uh, professional... Uh, who prescribed it up, and mm-hmm. and th- it was quite uh, quite big doses at one point, and yeah. then took it right back down. Anyway, Keith, thanks very much okay, for your call.
4: Okay, thank you, Libby. Bye bye.
1: Okay,
2: bye. Uh, yeah. Um, let's Libby, go if to. If Oh, sorry. Uh, if I may, if, I think it's just very important for us to recognize that people are going to have a wide range of experiences. And there are no two people are going to receive the information exactly alike. Um, and part of the challenge in dealing with, uh, with, uh, with addig- addictions uh, is that it comes with a lot of stigma and judgment. And we know that we cannot help people if we're also bringing a lot of our own judgment to, to them.
1: Okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's a, an interesting point. Let's go to William in Toronto. Hi, William.
5: Hello, Lib. Uh, very uh, brief comment. Uh, well renowned, uh, let's try that again. Well renowned uh, psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Peter Braggins, uh, <clears throat> does not prescribe any medication to his clients whatsoever because he says these um, uh, cause side effects and makes things worse. And once you get into the uh, 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 the circle. Uh, this medication requires that, and and it's just ongoing. He prescribes love, family support, and inclusion, and no medication, and <clears throat> that's all that it, it takes to uh, get rid of these things. Mental okay. illness is only about ninety-seven percent. It's a it's a victim of circumstance. Uh, depression and things they just go away over time. And the pain that you're describing that you had, it went away by the, by itself. It didn't go away by itself. Helped it, uh, it just helped you deal with it uh, over a period of time. So I think what Dr. Peter Bregan says is absolutely correct. And all this medication stuff that, that's going on is just for money and uh, and financial gain and really not required in 97% of the cases.
1: Okay, William, uh, thanks for your call. Uh, with respect, I mean, pain people suffer is real. My pain did not go away on its own. It was uh, because of very heavy cancer, drugs, and surgery that it went away. Um, people have pain to deal with and, and telling them that they're imagining it is is not going to help the situation,
2: right, uh, Kristen? Uh, that is absolutely correct. And it's not that uh, there are no uh, social determinants of health or mental health. We certainly know that they do exist. Uh, but we are not all so privileged to be, uh, you know, coming from a healthy environment, uh, you know, gainfully employed, uh, properly housed. Uh, and there's a whole host of things that will take someone uh, down this rabbit hole of where they may fall into depression uh, or become more susceptible to um, Uh, to drugs and and alcohol addictions. And so what we want to do is make sure that everybody has a healthy environment, all the things that your caller was talking about. But unfortunately, that doesn't exist for all.
1: Okay, uh, we have time for uh, one more call. Nancy and Barry. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Um, I just wanted to
6: say as far as the opiates go, um, I, I believe they are very addictive. And I think that a lot of people can get the same relief, pain relief from the medicinal marijuana, but the problem is is that it's expensive. Um, even the medicinal, even when you are a senior and you are below a certain income level and you qualify for discounts, um, it's still unaffordable for the amount that they need to use to get the kind of pain relief they would get from opiates, which are much cheaper to be bought from a, a pharmacist. So. I have a brother who currently has a subscription um, for medicinal, and he uses it, and it's very effective. The problem is he can't afford monthly the amount that he needs, and he's thinking about going back to Oxy, and that devastates me because I see the medicinal marijuana as being a, a totally natural way of managing his pain, and the Oxycontin, we all know what can happen with that, and... It, it's easy to overdose if you become very addictive and you become a different person it's not the same i haven't seen any changes with that with the medicinal but it's unaffordable and some of the problem is that when the uh, dispensaries are getting low on supply they don't allow people with discounts because of income to access that particular strain even though that's what they need for their pain management they're not allowed to buy it at their prices. Well, that's
1: prices. that's interesting. Um, it, depending on who ends up in uh, in power, uh, the distributors, the dispensaries, will either be gone or not gone. But um, I didn't know that. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Nancy. I think that's a, a very interesting and and good points. Appreciate that. You're very really welcome. Have okay. Uh, And um, basically, uh, we're out of time. Uh, Kristen Wong Tam, what would you like to leave us
2: with? Um, I would say that uh, for the listeners out there, you know, make the decisions that are right for you. Make sure you get uh, the good information. There's lots of data out there uh, from three different orders of government. Get a second opinion if you think you need one, um, and to keep all doors open.
1: Okay. Um Thank you very much for that. Uh, to those people whose calls we could not get to, I am sorry. Free for All Friday is coming up. So uh, please feel free to call with your comments on the opioid crisis. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a big victory for a group of tenants uh, who held a successful rent strike and got what they wanted at the end. Um, Are we going to be seeing more of this? We'll have that when we return.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.